This podcast is made on the lands of the Wurundjeri, Rorong, and Boon peoples of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners of this land, and we pay our respect to Elders past and present. Just a little warning, uh, heads up for this episode, we'll be talking about things like menstruation, menopause, and we do touch on some pretty serious talk about miscarriages, um, but we'll let you know when we're coming up to the more intense sections and you can skip over them if you need to. Hi everyone, I'm Cleo and I'm a content creator here at the Australian Council of Trade Unions or ACTU. And I'm Emma, a copywriter and podcaster alongside Cleo. And we're here to bring you On The Job. that noise mean to you that that to me is being trapped in the bathrooms at work or at school and trying to do it as discreetly as possible but it not being for some reason being one of the noisiest procedures Mm -hmm. so Cleo what are we talking about here Emma we're gonna be talking about some really normal stuff that happens to anyone who has a uterus we're gonna be talking about menstruation the stigma and shame attached to it Um, What you heard just before was the sound of a pad ripping. And the reason we started with that sound is because um, anyone who's who's, uh, had to use a pad or a tampon in their life has probably um, felt that feeling of having to discreetly, you know, push it up a sleeve or hand it um, like like a golden handshake to their friend who needs it. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's that's about it, really, Emma. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember in high school, the super shifty, you know, having to grab a pad out of my backpack, yep. you know, for a friend who had had their period sprung upon them all of a sudden. So, yeah, it's, it's really weird that this stigma seems to have been passed down through the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it has changed, I think, you know, compared to when my grandmother was growing up mm-hmm. um, and her generation, for example, but it's still considered this kind of weird social faux pas to talk about your period or going through menopause, um, especially at the workplace where yeah. it's considered, you know, unprofessional or whatever. Absolutely. If I come to work even and I say the word menstruation, men just go, <laughs> get me out of here. Get me out of here. So that was Anne-Marie Allen. She's the executive officer of the Queensland and Northern Territory branch of the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union and also one of the most interesting and passionate people and feminists we've ever met, I would say. You know, when we think back to when we were young, young women, and I know when um, I was first got my first period at 14, my mother, um, you know, there was no real preparation for it. It was like it was this taboo subject. We don't talk about the periods. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I can't, I, I don't think I even heard the word menstruation. Like, and even today still, I think I've been working for almost five decades and it's still a word that seems to, there's a stigma around it and there shouldn't be a stigma and we need to work to remove that stigma. Mm-hmm. 
right? I'll tell you what it's like. I'll give you a bit of a rundown. You're sitting there in an important meeting, right? The way you go and you can feel the sweat coming on you and you think, please do not fan yourself. <laughs> do not. And you can feel the sweat running down your face and you think they know. They're looking at my age and they're thinking to themselves, change of life, right? <laughs> Nutter, right? And then you reach out for the paper and you force yourself, you have to fan yourself. And I'll tell you what, they have comments, that come out about women who are still working when they go through menopause. I mean, it's unreal hearing that and thinking about how we're still dealing with this today. I mean, workers dealing with menstruation, menopause, are found in every industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you're about to hear are just a couple of the stories we've heard from white collar and blue collar workers alike. Men don't like anyone with female issues talking about it. I'd like to feel free to use a heat pad at work and not have to hide a tampon to go to the bathroom and to never again hear a man accuse my bad mood or my period. My supervisors are mostly men and it's another reason why women get treated differently in the industry. So, Emma, what does any of this have to do with the unions? I don't get it. Well, as we've heard so far, menstruation and menopause are something around half of the Australian population experiences in their lives. And I think as we both know a bit too well, our bodies don't exactly run to a roster or a timetable. Oh, yeah. One minute you're just dealing with that sudden onset of the painful cramps or with hot flushes. Next minute you're changing your tampon, you're feeling dizzy. So, yeah, of course, this is something a lot of us have to deal with regularly while we're at work, seeing as we spend so much of our time at our jobs. Um, And this is where reproductive leave comes in. Union members want to make sure it's available for all workers who need it. If it happens in the workplace, then that makes it union business, right? Yeah, that's true. So reproductive leave in its ideal form is five days paid leave for the purpose of treating or managing conditions relating to your reproductive system such as menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, IVF, loss of pregnancy, and reproductive-related services like vasectomies, hysterectomies, or terminations. So that's that's people without uteruses too, right? That's men too. Yep. Um, here to tell us more about reproductive leave is one very, very cool human being who we very much enjoyed chatting to, um, Health and Community Services Union Assistant State Secretary for Victoria, Kate Marshall. You know, you've got five days, so our claim is for five days. We know women take a lot more. We know that women um, with children or with um, caring responsibilities with parents or uh, the like take um, 90, I think it's something ridiculous, like 97, 98% of their personal leave as carers leave. Wow. Because it is, you know, your child's sick, of course, you take leave to go get them from kinder or school or wherever and you, you look after them. Yeah. You're sick, you work through it, yeah, you know, because... that's so true. I'm, I'm saying wow as if I'm not literally doing this exact <laughs> yeah. thing right now. <laughs> yeah. Experience so for you. Yeah. So you look after everyone else yeah. before yourself. Yeah. And we want this leave to be there to say to everyone, but predominantly women, yeah. hey, you mm. and what you are going through is important too. Yeah. Don't hide behind it like we have been for centuries. Mm. Step out. I suffer from severe bleeding. I suffer from um, 
severe pain when I have my periods. I suffer from endometriosis. Say it out loud. It's okay. You're protected and you've got five days leave or the flexible working arrangements, which is to me more important because, um, you know, for so long we have been... I've actually saw um, a research paper saying that some women with such severe menstrual pains can be akin to the same pain as having a mild heart attack. So like we mentioned before, five days paid leave is the ideal scenario. That's what unions are chasing. But we haven't achieved that yet, but that is what we're working towards. Some workplaces already have components of reproductive leave already in place, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, it makes a really big difference. I mean, Kate also talked about other reproductive health complications, um, which links uh, quite well to her story. Anne-Marie told us about one union member, mm-hmm. a forklift driver who had a prolapsed uterus and a condition called an let me get this right, adenomyosis, uh, which essentially just made it a whole lot worse. So she does go into a bit of detail um, with this uh, story here. So if you do want to jump ahead, uh, you can hit pause and skip ahead about 30 seconds. So this woman couldn't. So she had painful, painful periods and pain, pain all the time. But she said the ridicule she copped because sitting on a forklift, driving a forklift every day, you know, part, it was part of her job, big part of it. Um, she couldn't sit down properly and she was ridiculed and belittled from people in her workplace. I didn't have a problem, sisters, with mine. I, I'll disclose that. But I'll fight for the sisters who do have a problem and my daughter was one of them. She suffers um, IBS and when it would come around to her period, she's in a terrible mess. And uh, I can recall her coming home that someone said to her, she will never make it to a leadership position because of her health. Oh, my God. I'm pleased to tell you that no daughter of mine is going to be told by a man that something like that's going to hold her back. So she is now uh, in a leadership position and she's in in education and she's only um, 31. So... So stories like this is why unions have put a lot of thought into the different ways workers could benefit from reproductive leave and why it it captures so much in what they want. Yeah, for sure. Reproductive leave isn't just about when you have your period or when you go through menopause. It's also intended to cover something that can leave you physically and emotionally drained, miscarriage. Now, what you're about to hear is a story about miscarriage told to us by Kate. If this is something you'd rather skip, that is totally okay. Um, You just need to scoot ahead about 60 seconds in this podcast and you'll be safe. Um, We're just going to pause here for a moment to let you do that if you want. Um, We know in New South Wales there was a a paramedic who was carrying um, on on a gurney on a bed a patient down some stairs to get into the ambulance um she stopped her partner sort of said are you okay she said no no i'm fine let's just get the patient in got the patient in she got to the front seat they were going off to the hospital and she said i think i'm bleeding i think i'm miscarrying got to the hospital uh she got checked out while she was there she was suffering a miscarriage her partner said to her you need to go home her um her response was, I can't, you're short-staffed, Yeah, I won't, and I can't, I don't have any personal leave yet, I can't. 
I'm sorry. No, it's like, it's not good tears, but you know, like it's just, yeah. So at that point, she had no personal leave left. They were short staffed. She worked through as a paramedic while miscarrying. that story's a lot I mean I can't even imagine what that must have been like to go through I actually can't I've um full disclosure I've I've had two pregnancy terminations in my life and they were not easy times um what this paramedic went through a whole other ball game I I cannot believe the strength and the bravery of that person it's just Mm. out of control it really goes to show actually the paramedics and ambos do what they do for the love of caring for other people yeah um and not in any way for themselves that is i actually cannot fathom it yeah i think kate said it really well and she explained how so many of these healthcare workers you know that no one goes into that industry for the pay or for the glory right Mm mm-hmm so the AMWU, which is Anne-Marie's union, is for workers who design, make, and maintain things. So you can find them in mining, manufacturing, rail power, sugar, those type of areas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this story kind of gives you an idea of what that can be like and why we need reproductive leave in those areas as well. But I'll say it's a, it's almost 100 times worse for women in male-dominated industries where they don't have access to amenities. That really peeves me off. And where they're doing work that's hard labour, where they're working on machinery or on lines, production lines, where they can't just get up and walk away. Yes. Oh, my God. So say um, someone's at the production line um, and before they can move, someone has to replace them, right? Yes. And they're going through any motion that could be happening. Yes. And they just have to hold their station. Yes. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. We had um, in one company years ago that doesn't work, it took its operations offshore, but one of the common complaints was women wanting to go on toilet breaks on the line. You had to sort of buzz, ring a buzzer to say that you, was it how humiliating is this? How humiliating? You've got to ring a buzzer because you need to go to the toilet. And if, if people didn't like you, they would hang you out and make you wait. I think your reaction at the end there, Cleo, says it all. I actually have no words for how effed up. Am I allowed to swear on this, Emma? Probably not. I'll say effed up. We've got a language warning in next time. (laughs) (laughs) Triple J style. So it gets even better, right, because of course it does. Um, So the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union have sent around a survey asking people why they felt they couldn't talk to their line manager about taking leave to deal with their period or menopause. And one member said, and I quote, because it was enough of a challenge just to get the sanitary bins emptied regularly. So for any listeners who don't know, I've never been into like a a female bathroom. There's like a a sanitary bin specifically for the um, disposal of, you know, pads, tampons, um, and they're accompanying extremely noisy rappers um and when they do get full as per any bin the smell is god awful like it's very unpleasant to open to close is almost impossible um yeah it's i it's it's nasty it's it's also it's highly unsanitary have ever been to like a public restroom like at a train station or something where they're not emptied as frequently or very high traffic area Mm -hmm. it is festy (laughs) um and quite frankly probably a 
a hygiene issue. A hygiene risk for sure. Um, I think, yeah, we take a lot for granted as office workers, particularly yeah, here. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and like, this isn't even reproductive leave at this point. This is a, you know, workplace health and safety issue. Something like emptying sanitary bins is so just something basic. that needs to be respected. Yes, um, I agree. If you're going to, you know, treat your workers with, you know, as people. You know, fancy going into the, you know, into the bathroom. Say you go, you got to walk, you know, all, half a mile to get to a bathroom and you get there and there's nowhere to put your tampon or your or your pad, whatever you use. Like, imagine. You lost me at the work, where, walking half a mile to the toilet. Yeah, they do do that. I've never had to yeah. do that. That's they do. Wow. They do. These In a lot of these workplaces, they don't have female facilities. And so, and and men are filthy. I'm sorry, but they they really some women can be too, but men tend to be. Um, so you know, they'll say you've got to go to the toilet. Well, you can't come to these toilets here, right? So you've got to go up to the admin building, which will be quite a distance away. I've even had situations where women have had to get in cars to go to the toilet. Cars. So on that. Rather sobering note, we're going to leave you there for this episode. But stay tuned because this is a two-parter. We're going to be chatting a bit more with Kate Marshall and Anne-Marie Allen about um, how unions are introducing reproductive leave. So no worker has to suffer in shame and silence for something that is so deeply natural. I'm Claire Cruz. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm Emma Hartley. Catch you next time.